Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Tux Digital Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about NVIDIA releasing a new lower-cost GPU. Everyone should be really happy about this, right? But they're really mad. And we're going to get into that here in a second. Then we head to Camera Corner, where Wendy will discuss firmware updates and why you should be checking your camera. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware Padawan. So this week, I get to talk about my tech adventure. Yeah. And Michael, you're going to really like this because you have one too, so I had to have one because I couldn't have you have something that I yeah, didn't exactly. have that would be rude. Exactly. If I have some good hardware, he's going to have to get it or get something better. We've we've learned that a couple times over the course of this show. But yeah, Ryan always has to one up on hardware. Always, yeah, exactly. at least but be equal, but usually one up. Usually one. Up, usually right? one up. In this case, what he got, there's not really much better. So unless you want to spend an insane amount of money. So Ryan, what are we talking about? This is the Rodecaster Pro Two, not the one two. It's important because it's the second edition. The one was so good, they had to release a part two. Well, it's also important to note that this is the Roadcaster, the Rode Roadcaster Pro, not the Rode Procaster because they, they're they so good at names over yeah, there. That's wow. true. Because the Rode Procaster is the mic. That's the mic right. I use as well. Exactly. So I have the Rode Procaster with the Roadcaster Pro 2 combined it becomes like a mighty Morphin Power Ranger thing. Dinosaur. Of roadness. And I have the yeah. Rode Roadcaster Pro 2 and the Rode Pod Mic and the Rode Mic Arm. Oh, uh, apparently, we have a lot of Rode stuff. All the Rode. Yeah. Rode does a fantastic job with their equipment. And so here's why I wanted to get this device. I have struggled with Destination Linux, which is the other podcast me and Michael are part of where we talk about lots of Linux stuff. Every single week, you need to go check it out. But I've struggled in that because we have our patrons that come and join us live for there. Oh, I thought you were just admitting that you were having a struggle with doing the show. Okay, I get it now. That too, because you're on it. But oh, outside wow. of that, trying to patch in all of good. the audio and videos so that our listeners, the ones who are patrons, can actually hear and watch the show live is a little bit challenging. Now, Linux makes it super easy thanks to Pipewire and stuff, but I wanted a hardware solution that we could bring on the road with us and be much easier and things. So I wanted to try out this Rode Procaster, Rodecaster Pro 2 thing. Man, that's really getting hard to say. See? A lot of, Talk, Rodecaster, Rodecaster Pro, Pro, 2. Pro 2. Yeah. And it has a digital screen with touch buttons on the digital screen. So that right there automatically makes it better than the Behringer that it's replacing because it's got color touchscreen and I can jam well, the, on it. And well, stuff. the more important part of that, not just because it's a color touchscreen and it's yeah. nice and cool, but yes. it also means that all the configuration that you want to do with your Rodecaster Pro 2, you can do it directly on the Rodecaster Pro 2. Yes. So this means that no matter what operating system that you're utilizing, it really doesn't matter because you can interface with exactly. it right from the device itself. Plus, did I mention it's a cool color panel that you can 
Jim there is also on. cool color panels. Yes, though. yes. That I love. And it's got the cool buttons on the side that makes it look like you've got the DJ pad so you can do things like change your voice and do different effects and things like that. It just looks freaking amazing, okay? Yeah. Right out of the box. It, does. it looks like a technological marvel, like you're doing something really incredible. As soon as you power it on, it's got multiple colors. Like It's already pre-mixed with like a nice color layout. Yes. And you can customize the colors and the channels and the mixers and faders and everything that you want it to be. And you can customize how it looks in every possible way with the screen and with the colors and the dials and the knobs and all that. But by default, it also comes out pretty nice. Yeah. And so outside of the fact that it looks really cool, it has lights and a touch screen, the cool things that you can do with it is what really attracted to me with this because it has a graphical view of things like mix minus or doing your mm-hmm. settings and it even has presets for mics it has presets for all the road mics, of course, that are out there, but also it had some other mics that are not road mics that had presets for. Yeah, the most popular microphones in addition to their own microphones, which is really nice. cool because most companies don't bother with other microphones, you know? Yeah. And so other people who are talented and can play musician, you know, musical instruments and things, musicians, uh, they could utilize it for plugging in all their instruments and doing those things. But yep. in our case, uh, I don't have any of those musical talents, but I do this podcasting thing. Yeah, it allows me to control and add in other machines to do things like mix minus and control various channels and add in sound effects and other stuff. If we wanted to utilize that into the show, and it even has an option to record locally. You can put a micro SD card into this device and record right into the device. It looks like nice. I haven't tried that yet. Yeah, you can there. Which is it's really very cool. cool, and you can make it where it records directly to the device and records on your computer, so you can have an, a local audio recording that is done on the Rodecaster Pro 2, and then one your computer handles, whether you're doing like OBS or however you want to do the actual recording. Now, the cool thing about this is that while it's expensive at $699... Uh, I will have a link to Amazon, and I was able to get one at a warehouse deal for about $100 less, about $599. But what it's replacing is a Behringer and my DBX-286S and my Cloud Lifter. Oh, wow. So and add all of that together, it's not that bad of a price. Uh, If you also have an interface, it replaces an interface. So if someone has a Scarlett 2i2, for example, you don't need that for the interfacing. This handles the interfacing, the mixing, the fading, the everything, basically. Yeah. I absolutely love the idea of this. And we did kind of a short with Magneto here. I guess maybe it was late last year. And then I had an interview with my kids on the robotics teams. And one of the downsides of doing that was... I have one mic and one input. So we were sharing the same microphone, which then when you're editing, especially the way I like to edit audio, I didn't have different tracks for each person. If someone is wanting to pick this up for multiple tracks with multiple microphones connected to it, can you make that work or is that not a feature that you've played Yes, absolutely. You can do that. You can actually do it in a lot of different configurations too because it has four different channels. It has four different mic put inputs and each of those inputs are not only XLR supported, but they also have connectors for instruments in the same port. So it's a multi-purpose port. So you can basically configure it however you want to. And each one of those ports is controlled by a separate knob. So you can control that the fader... 
of the individual ports separate from the fader of the the channels that are related to the actual mixer itself. So if you have a microphone channel or if you have a desktop audio channel that's pulling from your computer, you can have those independent from the actual ports themselves. Sweet. Yeah, this is powered by what they call Affex, which if people are audiophiles and into that stuff may mean a lot to them. But they're very proud of it being powered by Affex, which is kind of their processor that's processing all the sound effects on board and doing its emulations and those things. And that's where it has the compressor, the noise gate, the high pass filter, the de-esser, and the three band equalizer for every single channel which is pretty freaking awesome that all of that's built into one single device. So that's why I can replace all of that equipment that I have there. So if you're interested in doing a podcast, do not start out with this because you don't need it. But when Correct. you get to do the not. fancy stages and your podcast maybe starts bringing in some money, advertising, those type of things, this is a really cool investment to make. And honestly, it's a lot less equipment on your desk and you have a lot more features and power at your hands. So consider checking one of these out if you're in the market for a really cool mixer. Or if you just want to have some ridiculous sound effects on your voice for no reason to annoy your co-host. Yeah. Oh, or Ryan would never do that. Because it has a touch screen and allows you to do touch screen stuff. And this is one of the there you go. things about having a touch screen. I can just push the button. You could do that for sure. Wendy, what do you think? I don't have any fancy one. buttons, so you get just Oh, we're going to have to <laughs> fix that. <laughs> this episode of Hardwretics is brought to you by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, the industry-leading open source software-defined storage software. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features in their software. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and operating systems, which means there's no vendor lock-in. So if you want to use it on whatever OS you want and whatever hardware you want, as long as it's compatible in the list that they say, you could mix and match and do whatever you want and it'll just go with whatever you want to use. With DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed, replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether that's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and all their software, and also to check out if they could be your open-source partner for block storage and more. That's linbit.com. That's L-I-N-B-I-T.com. So usually when NVIDIA or AMD release a new GPU, or in AMD's case, a new CPU, it's generally met with a lot of excitement. And even if it's a mixed audience, there will be some people excited for it and some people who may be you know, on the other team or something and don't want to give praise to the other competitor because for some reason, all of us like to pick brands and kind of stick with that. Red brand versus green. Act like they care about us. Yeah. But in this case is really different. And I think it's a story that kind of tells where the market is right now with people and GPUs and the damage that we predicted on this show like a year ago was going to happen to the GPU market and it's definitely starting to take shape. So NVIDIA releases this new RTX 4060 card. Now they say this is a mid-range card. It was just released as 3072 CUDA cores, 24 RT cores, 8 gigabytes of VRAM, and it's priced at 300 bucks. 
So this is much more affordable than what we've been seeing from NVIDIA. Of course, you've got their 4090 at like $1,600. You have the 4080 at $1,200. You have the 4070 at between $650 and $700. So you would think people would be really excited about a $300 card coming into the market. Plus, NVIDIA is saying that it's faster than the 3060 and that it's $30 lower than MSRP of when the 3060 dropped. So why is it getting so much hate? And when I see getting so much hate, it's not just getting hate from uh, the YouTubers out there, the big YouTube names that do hardware and uh, look at different various manufacturers and things, but it's getting hate from even the articles that are writing about this and all the various tech articles oh, wow. and things. Uh, so there's kind of this universal dislike of this card, and that's because... Basically, the RTX 4660 offers barely acceptable gaming performance at 1080p and can barely play at all. Most games at 1440p, anything close to 60 frames per second. Um, while it's faster than the 3060, it's 11% slower than the 3060 Ti, which is just like $50 more, I think, to pick up the 3060 Ti. Oh, wow. And the RTX 4060... Um, really isn't a great value that anyone can find in it because even the card itself they're saying is really cheaply made with plastics and just the cooling solution that they have on it. Of course, it doesn't need a lot of cooling because it only sips like 110 watts of power. And if you look at NVIDIA and the way that they're marketing this, it's almost like they're marketing it more for the power efficiency than they are of the card's actual capabilities itself. Which is Which pretty funny because really they're marketing the power efficiency because it that's the only thing it does well. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it just got me thinking, you know, at that price, when you're looking at a card that's $300, can do some 1080p, mostly older games they were saying can run, you know, above 60 frames per second. But any of the newer games were, were getting some pretty bad, except for a few exceptions, some pretty bad frame rates in there. And you think about getting a new PlayStation 5, for instance, instead of spending your money on this GPU here, and you've got something that can game in 4K. And you're paying maybe $100 more, but it can do all of your gaming and everything right there versus a card like this, which, or spending $1,600 on a 4090, for instance. Now, obviously, there's a lot more things you can do as far with your computer, as far as graphical design and rendering and all those things. But that's not what this card's for. Nobody's going to be doing major uh, work in movie production or video rendering or anything with this kind of card. So it really is a gamer card and it really flops pretty hard based on everyone's review of it. And one of the main things that people are mad about is the smaller memory bus width. So it only has 128 bit memory bus width, which As is really for, small. For someone who doesn't know what that means, what is the typical that makes this bad? I wouldn't say there's a typical, but this is less than what was even in the 3060. So what oh, was wow. typical back when the 3060 released, this doesn't even match that. What they did to compensate is released more cash. So it's, they said, well, we have more L2 cash, 24 megabytes, to compensate for this narrow memory bus, but you're not going to be able to get 
you, you've got limited to eight, which is what the 3060 had. We should really be looking at 16 or above in today's video cards, especially when you're charging 300 bucks. If this was a $100 card, be a different story. It's not a $100 card. It's a $300 card. So you should be looking at like 16 gigabytes to keep up. But then in addition, you're lowering your uh, bus width. So your ability to access and get to that memory has now shrunken. So you have eight gigabytes of VRAM. Your ability to access that across the lanes is now a shrunken lane. And you've got less CUDA cores. And it's just why? Why does this card exist is the question. And I think the answer may be that the power consumption costs in Europe, which is one of the things they were advertising, they were actually showing how much money you would save if you switched from the 3060 to this card. It was like hundreds of dollars a year or something like that in energy if you were running these two different cards because the energy costs in Europe are so high, which was interesting to me. Maybe I wonder what the, the difference would be between how much you save and how much it costs. Because if it is like $50 more, then who cares, you know? Yeah. And it's probably more year after year of savings is where it would be beneficial. And I've talked to some friends over in Europe and yeah, their energy prices are astronomical. Going into winter this last year, a lot of them were worried. So I can see why NVIDIA would want to put out a card that is more energy efficient and it's definitely not made for the U.S. market. This card is made for the European market because of its energy saving possibilities and not for anybody here who's actually looking for an upgrade. Because when you're comparing the two cards, it doesn't seem worth it. And when you're looking at offerings from AMD in the same price point, whether it's a current generation Radeon RX 760, 7,600, sorry. Or their previous generation, the 6,000 series, you can get a heck of a lot more card for the exact same price range. And if your overall goal is performance, then something else is a better option. If your overall goal is having a graphics card and saving a bunch of money on power, then it would be this new card. But who they're actually able to sell this to seems really limited or in a very specific niche. But isn't yeah. there also an AMD card that is similar price range and similar and more power, but also either similar power efficiency or even better? Yeah, I, I believe the comparison a lot of people are doing is to like the 6700 line of for AMD. And it's a slightly more expensive, but you just get a lot more out of that card. And there were a lot of people I saw in the comments mentioning, hey, I switched the 6700. They were looking for that lower cost card, had already switched to it. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I got away from NVIDIA after seeing this. Like People are yeah. really upset about this, which is really good. I'm so happy people are finally, I'm surprised this got people so upset because honestly, in a way, it's kind of become par for the course. We just mm -hmm. feel like we're getting ripped off in the GPU market constantly. People are like, oh, NVIDIA. Yeah. And they're just like, well, I love NVIDIA. I'll pay $8 billion. It seems like everyone else but me has endless money to spend unlimited on whatever hardware comes out. Like, here's the new NVIDIA GPU. It's $8 billion. And somehow they'll sell out. Right. I don't get it. But it just seems to be what happened. So I was really happy to see that people were upset about something and kind of unified across 
YouTube and the tech articles and industry and not just being like, well, they sent us a free review unit. So let's give them a bunch of praise and, and happiness because it, it is a cheaper card finally in the market. But this kind of card, again, is worth about 150 bucks. Like this is the type of card that you would go and for people who didn't want to do heavy end gaming and they didn't have an integrated GPU uh, that you would go pick up for 150, 200 dollars all day long and not pay something like 300 bucks. It reminds me of like the 1050 TIs and, and those style cards. You could do some light gaming on them. wasn't going to be fantastic, but you could do some light 1080p older game things on that. But for a new generation card, it's pretty pathetic because they didn't really change much. And then the stuff they did change doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like they were talking about the fact that it has this, you know, the DLSS, that deep learning sampling three in it. But then you have such small amount of RAM that, and, and what that attempts to do is upscale. So you may be playing at 1080p, but it tries to upscale the imaging to make it look like you're playing, say, 1440p. But you don't have enough memory to really do that effectively. And there's only like 12 games that can take advantage of it out there. And so they're kind of leveraging more of the software side of things and trying to fix everything through software versus hardware. And I get it. There's a crunch out there probably still that they're facing to get their hands on chips and stuff. We haven't fully recovered from that. I mean, there's ample proof of that in just the Raspberry Pi by itself. We just have yeah. a lot of constraints in the supply chain still. But they but, could also just choose not to release an inferior exactly. product. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it just made people mad because it's just not a better card than the prior generations. It's almost like you think your customers are idiots. So, of course, they'll buy it because we release something new. And $300 is a lot more easy to afford than the $1,600 card where you actually get good performance. But then... Even there, NVIDIA's really had a bad run since they broke up with EVGA. Like EVGA must be sitting there on the sideline like, we told you all so, we've been on this, NVIDIA was not being good, and we told you they're not a good um, business out there. And so imagine EVGA trying to release a version of this. Like they wouldn't. They would have never released it because it's garbage. And it just seems like NVIDIA stopped caring yet. NVIDIA is now valued over a trillion dollars for those that didn't get that news. So this is really one of those moments where does NVIDIA even have to care? Why is NVIDIA valued over a trillion dollars? Because of their AI. So because their cards are so necessary in all of these AI platforms and there's bajillions of dollars, that's an official number, uh, being pumped into AI, they're basically now worth over a trillion dollars as a company. And so they can keep making these mistakes and not really be hurt that bad because. Or they, maybe they don't even consider it a mistake because they don't care. Yeah. But at some point, you have to start caring again. You would there hope. is going to be backlash. And there's also, in a way, I think this might be good for Intel because it gives them a space to actually compete somewhere. Okay, that was the really exciting news. So when I was watching a lot of the various benchmarks in there, what I noticed is Intel's Arc line was starting to make it as a comparison in the benchmarks, and I hadn't seen that in previous cards. So it was running up against this card pretty well. In, in some circumstances, uh, it was doing equally as well as this card, which is impressive because we know Intel's kind of ramping their way up. But I agree, this is a really good opportunity for someone to come in here and start taking this price point and, and giving people a lot more value for their money. Intel's got a little work on their current Arc lineup, but I've heard massive improvements that they've made 
uh, specifically in their software side to make that cards that they do have out there even better. And if they keep pushing here, I think they could take the entire consumer market, which, you know, eventually these things like AI and stuff, they slow down. Like, I think AI is going to be huge. I think it's going to revolutionize a lot of things. But for NVIDIA to ignore its customers like it has, especially with the whole power thing that they had as well. Do you guys remember that? Where computers were setting themselves on fire because of their mm-hmm. uh, power adapter that they were shipping with it basically was not efficient to handle the amount of wattage that was being sucked out of these giant cards and stuff. Yeah. It just doesn't, all they do is just keep making bigger and bigger cards. I mean, at this point, their 4090 is about the size of my mini ITX case in its entirety it kind of starts to get ludicrous, right? You remember when they pulled the 4090 out of the oven? Was that the 4090 they did that with? I think it was Uh the 4090. And it was so gigantic, I thought it was fake. I was like, oh, this is like a joke No, I don't think it was the 4090 because it was during, I think, the 2020 launch. Maybe it was 2021. But yeah, I do remember that. It might have been the 3090, but it was basically hilarious because the oven was barely enough for the thing. (laughs) Uh, it, it's kind of getting silly, right? In in this world. So, in any case, I wanted to bring it to the show to get you all's opinion because at one side, again, I thought, oh, a three hundred dollar GPU, this is pretty exciting. And then I started reading the reviews and seeing it, and I'm like, wow, I've not seen this before. I think this is going to backfire on Nvidia in a big way. They need to do something to kind of bring the fandom back. Once you lose that, because even Apple, that's worth you know what three trillion dollars, three trillion now, now yeah. They are very keen at keeping the fans that they have happy. Now, they do a lot of stuff that's stupid, but ultimately, they keep their fan base. They you do a lot, see a lot of, of stuff Apple that's people stupid. kind of turning on Apple yeah. very often. NVIDIA is kind of going down this road where they're like, hey, we're worth a trillion now. We don't care about any of y'all. And I'm not sure that's going to be as effective as Apple's moves have been. Yeah. For the NVIDIA. way that Apple does it is that they're doing a lot of stuff that's stupid, but they're mixing that in with a lot of good stuff. And there's more good stuff, typically, than there's stupid stuff. Now, the percentage in NVIDIA's side seems to be the other way. And Recently, that's yeah. problematic. And But it's also kind of funny because, I mean, I remember years ago, there was a lot of people before AMD did their switch and Lisa Su took over. There was this period of time where people would just say, NVIDIA is only competing with NVIDIA. And they don't have to care. They don't have to put any effort in because there is no competition. Now they actually have competition and they've had reasonably good competition with AMD for years now. And Intel is actually going to compete with them now too and seemingly are doing pretty well in terms of like ramp up you were talking about. But they're now shooting themselves in the foot for no reason uh, seemingly. And it kind of makes me think that maybe this will be a wake-up call for NVIDIA or hopefully I guess. Yeah. yeah, It's it's good that everyone's come together on this. I like to see that. And if you're looking for a low-cost card, check out the Radeon RX 7600. That's the one I was thinking of earlier, Michael, that people were comparing this card against. Or pick up, if you have to be in video like the 3060 Ti, it's just $50 more, and you're going to get much more card uh, for that $50 more. But in both cases, the cards are really overpriced. In all these cases, all these cards are completely overpriced. But I don't see that changing anytime soon until another competitor kind of comes in. Intel, we're really banking on you here to come in and save us all. Save this industry, Intel. All right, so that's enough on the NVIDIA side of things. Wendy, let's do something a little happier here and talk about cameras in the camera corner. What do you got for us? 
Well, normally we talk only about the hardware and what the hardware can do, but I came across an article recently talking about the Panasonic, their GH6. It's a micro four-thirds camera, so nice, light, small, and there were some great things that it came out with it, but now it's getting a hardware, sorry, firmware update. I'd love it if we could hardware update our cameras. We need that, that would be yeah, so that's cool. When we the need Star a framework version yeah. of a camera. That'd be there great. You go. Unfortunately, we don't have that. But it is getting a firmware update that is giving it a 4K output at 120 frames per second, which is really cool. Wow. It's a major firmware upgrade for this. And it's kind of a PSA, I guess I could say this week, is when you first buy your camera, definitely check for firmware upgrades. There can be little bug fixes to it. And in a lot of cases, you're getting a better version of the camera with things that it's adding to the functionality of that. Sometimes it's adding some better color profiles. Sometimes it's adding an ability to shoot at higher frame rates or better things. They're making better use of the hardware that they've put in that camera. So if you have especially a newer camera, it's even more important to check. But if you've got a camera that you've been using for the last five years, still go in, look for those firmware upgrades because you might be missing out and have more options in your hardware afterwards. Yeah, this goes even outside of cameras and into your motherboard and other things. A lot of people who are looking to upgrade automatically assume they've got to get a new motherboard because maybe it's a year or two old, the motherboard they currently have. But through a firmware update, you can always check and see if it now supports the later processors and things. Also, if you start having different issues or problems when you start plugging in maybe a, a new GPU, memory, those things look for firmware updates again with the motherboard to see if there are things that can fix there. So it's cool that this is in the camera world as, as well. It's interesting it's unlocking so much power here. I assume it did 4K before, but maybe at 60 frames per second or something like that. And now it's able to do 120. I don't know, but it's pretty cool that that's able to be unlocked through firmware. And additionally, Michael, I noticed that this camera has the Black Magic RAW, and seeing Black Magic Ooh. makes me think: Is that DaVinci's codec? It, it is a format for DaVinci, and in fact, it res, it requires DaVinci Resolve Studio to function with it. Yeah, and we so have to pay for the DaVinci Resolve in order to have that feature. We're big fans of DaVinci, and yeah. so Wendy, DaVinci here's the thing: We're looking at upping the production quality of our show. And we want to go with higher end mirrorless cameras than we currently have in the 4K realm. And I'm wondering, seeing this Panasonic Lumix, if this would be a better option for us than, say, the latest Sony out there. How dare you? Which one would you pick, Wendy, for us to up our production here? Would it be the uh, Sony? Johnny, or the on the spot. It's one of those things that I would need to look into. So let's put it out this way. We'll talk about what all you want from your camera after the show ends. I'll okay. do a little bit of digging and give you an answer on the next camera corner. That's Perfect. the way it works. That is, I love that is it. a good, <laughs> good dodge. Man, you're a pro. I love That's it. Good. Also, make sure that whatever we get, mine is better than Ryan's. Okay. Can't do. No. Perfect. No, can't do. She can't do that, Michael. What? Why not? It's my show. Well, that's it. It's Our your 79th show. episode, though. <laughs> 
What are it's we? Michael's what show. are we? It's me Ryan. and your show, Wendy. So we should have the better cameras. Okay, there we go. I'm a very it's definitely not Michael. This Padawans are necessary. Okay, are they? Though very necessary. I mean, we ever talked about not having and, and a Padawan entertainment on the show? and all this stuff? You know, <laughs> you haven't had any dad jokes this whole episode. I think you. That's weird. Much, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's not much to do a dad joke about Nvidia. You yeah. know. You usually work them in regardless. I kind of feel like we're in this invasion of the body snatcher situation where it's not really Michael that's talking to us right now. It could be AI. NVIDIA's AI. It could be AI. Well, you'll find out next week if it really is AI. We'll let you know. That's it. Our 79th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. If you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Tux Digital Network. You can head to TuxDigital.com, check out all the amazing podcast partners there. There's so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time on another episode of Hardware where you get all the great content on the road from your podcaster pros. Uh, that was, uh, you got it, it worked okay. in there. Yeah. You worked it in there. You got dad joke. <laughs> Be better next time. Mike. Be more dad. Well, I, in, I improved it by the dedication to the awkward smile. Oh, that's. That's what that was. Yeah. <laughs>